that he had a breakthrough case of COVID in addition to cancer and had some vulnerabilities. Uh, because he was fully vaccinated and got COVID that took his life, any concerns about how that will be interpreted publicly or how does that affect the message from the White House about uh, the importance of vaccination? Well, uh, as people saw in the statement issued by the president, a very personal statement about his personal relationship, uh, this is obviously a heartbreaking tragedy tragedy for the country and one the president is feeling personally. Uh, there are extremely rare uh, cases of deaths or hospita hospitalizations among fully vaccinated individuals. That has been the case even before uh, the, the death of Colin Powell, especially among people, older people over a certain age and people who have underlying health issues or people who are battling other diseases. Uh, that has been the case. It is also the case, and this is important for people to know and understand out there who are concerned that an unvaccinated person has a more than 10 times greater risk of dying from COVID-19 compared to a fully vaccinated person. So there's no question that vaccination, uh, that taking precautions can save lives. Uh, it is, and it is still true, uh, and, this, and this raised that certainly the death of Colin Powell, that underlying health issues, fighting other diseases um, is, is something that can lead to greater risk. And the administration... How's everybody doing? We're listening to CNBC News Clips. Since it was short notice on the questions. Um, I guess the big question is why legal action, but can I also put it this way? Um, there is a different tone from CPS, from Pedro Martinez. He was asked, you know, what's going to happen to those who don't have their vaccines? And he said the other day, we're going to work with them. We're going to talk to them. We're going to make sure what, try to understand what's going on. So why a different tone for CPS than the police? Well, I don't think there is a different tone for one versus the other. <clears throat> um, CEO uh, Martinez has indicated that, and again, in agreement with the union, so that is one circumstantial difference, uh, that every adult in the system has to be vaccinated. And that agreement was reached months ago, um, and they've been working very hard to execute um, on that agreement, a reach with um, all the collective bargaining agencies uh, that employ uh, folks at, at uh, CPS. So it's a, a very different set of circumstances, and I think he believes it's going to be a very small uh, group um, that uh, remains um, either unvaccinated or not signing up. And so he understands, though, that accountability is important, as do we. So you asked the question of why the lawsuit. Um, because we believe that the FOP leadership is trying to foment an illegal work stoppage strike, pure and simple. We've laid that out in the materials, um, and we're not just, we're not having that. The, the contract is clear and it's been known for a long time. Uh, the police unions are not authorized to strike. It's in their collective bargaining agreement, and it's a matter of state law. What we've seen from uh, the Fraternal Order of Police, and particularly the leadership, is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half-truths, and frankly, flat-out lies in order to induce an insurrection. Um, and we're not having that. And so we want to make it very, very clear um, that the law is on our side. <clears throat> we feel very confident about it. And what he, what he said, even after uh, what I heard that he said, even after um, the lawsuit was filed and we notified them, is urging members of the department to ignore their chain of command. And let me be very clear about this. John Cantazara has destroyed his police career, destroyed it. He's not fit and he's never gonna go back to um, the department in any kind of active position. 
I don't want him to, to lead these young officers astray and have them destroy their careers like he's destroyed his. If you ignore a directive of your supervisor or worse, a direct order that's, oh, that's lawfully given, you're going to destroy your career. That is going to follow you forever. Over what? Going to a website, clicking yes or no, and if no, saying that you're going to sign up for testing? Really? That's worth it? I don't think it is. And I don't think people are going to follow him over that cliff. But we're going to make sure that we, he and the leadership of the FOP get a very clear message. We are not allowing them to jeopardize the public safety of our city, our residents, by making it seem as if he is in charge of the Chicago Police Department and he alone can determine staffing and whether or not officers come to work. And we, and we, the other thing that has to be clear, officers in, swear an oath to abide by the U.S. Constitution, the state constitution, and the laws of this city. That is a sacred oath that separates them from civilian employees everywhere. It's a sacred oath, and we expect them to abide by it. We can't expect them and, and, and residents that hold them with any degree of legitimacy. If the, those who are sworn to uphold the law act as if they're above the law. We're not gonna tolerate that. That's not acceptable. And I think what we're gonna see is that a lot of officers are going to abide by the mandate and fill out their information. Very simple, straightforward on the portal. That was Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago speaking about the vaccine mandate. As uh, the public reflects on the life of Colin Powell and his public yeah. service, uh, people are also now aware that he had a breakthrough case of COVID in addition to cancer and had some vulnerabilities. Uh, because he was fully vaccinated and got COVID that took his life, any concerns about how that will be interpreted publicly or how does that affect the message from the White House about uh, the importance of vaccination? Well, uh, okay, that was Kelly. That was Kelly O'Donnell from MSNBC News reporter in the White House briefing with Jen Psaki talking about the the death of General, four-star General, former Secretary of State, and many other high-profile government positions who recently was hospitalized and died of COVID-related complications. He was allegedly battling some form of blood cancer. Now there's um, a former CDC director, Dr. Redfield, in the news quoted by C is it C 
you know this is um who wrote this article it says former c dc center for disease and infectious Center for Disease and Control. Center for Disease and oh, Infectious Something or Other Center in Atlanta. The CDC director gives alarming statistics on fully vaccinated COVID deaths written by Katie Pavlik. October 19, 2021, 9.50 a.m. Well, it says here, quote, source is the AP photo by Alex Brandon, quote, speaking during an interview with Fox News Monday afternoon, former Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Robert Redfield said that more than 40% of people who have recently died from Wuhan Corona virus in Maryland were fully vaccinated and then when you read on it says for that week we're talking about just for that past week quote a lot of times people may feel it's a rare event that fully vaccinated people die I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland. In the last six to eight weeks, more than 40% of people who died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. Excuse me. End quote. Redfield said, responding to the death of former Secretary of State Colin Powell at the time of his death from virus complications. Why did they say coronavirus complications? Paul was also fighting a blood cancer that lowers the ability to stave off infection. Excuse me. According to the Maryland Department of Health, 65. 7% of adults in the state are fully vaccinated 
You know, that sounds, 40% sounds like, oh, just droves and droves of people. And there are, and I heard somewhere, I read somewhere, there's 260-some thousand people in that state of Maryland, small place. But in six to eight weeks, more than 40% of people who died, it sounds like a big number when they tell you what that 40% represents. It's um, it's misleading for some of us who focus in on the number 40%. According to the Maryland Department of Health, 6.65.7% of adults in the state are fully vaccinated. It's a video here from Twitter. Vaccinated people may die. I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland. Uh, in the last six to eight weeks, uh, more than 40% of the people that died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. A lot of times people feel it's a rare event that fully vaccinated people may die. I happen to be the senior advisor to Governor Hogan in the state of Maryland. Uh, in the last six to eight weeks, uh, more than 40% of the people that died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. A lot of times people Oh, well, there's just certain things that raise red flags in thinking people's mind. Um, okay, here's some of the tweets. I won't give their names. One person tweeted former CDC Director Robert Redfield, now Senior Advisor to Governor Hogan in Maryland, quote, in the last six to eight weeks, more than 40% of the people who died in Maryland were fully vaccinated. Another tweet. Does that include deaths from all causes? Next tweet. You see this at Black Sheep Woke. This is from the Senior Advisor of Maryland 
former CDC director saying this. I hope our governor gets the hint. Another tweet says, so if he said 40%, it was likely higher. <laughs> yeah, that's what most people think. But we have to also first figure out what does that 40% actually represent. The next tweet getting ready to go out to dinner with this awesome man and celebrate 31 years of marriage. This is a political debate that a couple of the the people in Congress are, for some reason, using to go after Fauci. I have my own opinion about it, but this is too serious a matter to politicize it. I refuse to to treat such a serious serious public health disaster as some sort of a uh, topic for college debate team this is how some people in Congress are treated. Just to get their name to ring out. 
Well, the tweets are good to read, but they don't end. They get off the topic. There's a lady that said, I see that the Chappelle discourse has outlasted news about Afghanistan in the media cycle. Yeah, Dave Chappelle, he has to love the attention. He's getting a quite a bit of excuse me, Dave Chappelle's getting quite a, a bit of time in the in the debate. The last couple weeks, here's another Twitter, a tweet. We have been debating Dave Chappelle for three weeks because he said that only women can give birth. Well, if you include other species of, of life then that would not be accurate but if he means well he did say women so he was correct but if he said only female only females he would not be correct disclose.tv Senator Joe Manchin is reportedly considering leaving the Democratic Party. Well, we knew that all along. (laughs) Who else is in here? Oh, too many politicians and uh, other people that are out for a payday from politicians, their mouthpieces, one politician or the other. The post millennial.com and for those like me who always wanted to learn how to spell millennial it's M I L L E N N I A L Brian Stelter Loses in ratings to reruns of the Golden Girls, SpongeBob. Dot dot dot. <laughs> oh boy! People love to slam 
Amazon MSNBC Newspapers Well That's all that I see in the news today so far. And now we can check one more place. There's just so many headlines, but then when you when you click on them, you can tell from the first sentence or first paragraph that is clickbait. This one says CNBC FDA clears Moderna NJ and J COVID vaccine boosters allows mix and match shots and then when you try to read it it's so mumbo jumbled even the professional medical people say they're confused. <laughs> so, good luck with those stories. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now, here's one Facebook's name change plan is a reflection of its real priorities and when you click on that you read for uh, several paragraphs till you get to the bottom and they are telling you something that they have no clue whether it's a fact or not And there's, of course, all the stories about the stimulus money from some, from a few sources that just are clearly clickbait. It'll tell you that some people might, coulda, woulda, shoulda, maybe if the creek don't rise, get a stimulus check. <laughs> you know. Okay, here's another CNBC. UK doctors, United Kingdom doctors, call for urgent return of COVID restrictions as experts monitor new mutation. And CNBC reporter Holly Elliot E L L Y A T T published Wednesday, October twentieth. That's today, twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. October 20th, 2021. Key points. 
UK medical professionals have issued an urgent plea to the British government to reimpose COVID restrictions. The call comes amid a high level of infections in the country and as hospitals are seeing an influx of COVID patients. Health leaders warned on Tuesday that the UK risks, quote, stumbling into a winter crisis, close quote, making matters worse. UK experts are watching a new mutation of the virus closely. That's the funny thing. They use all these scientific words to scare you. Mutations and that one really sounds scary when they, but what they don't tell you is that the coronavirus is or the COVID SARS virus I believe it's SARS 2 virus is constantly mutating I read every 10 days it's constantly mutating but see that won't sell it won't produce um, clicks it won't sell vaccines (laughs) you get the picture okay London quote UK medical professionals have issued an urgent plea to the British government to reimpose some COVID restrictions due to the increased level of infections and hospitalizations in the country. Now she, or whoever wrote this, adds another word in there, some COVID restrictions in the byline or the lead out line It doesn't say that. It says UK doctors call for urgent return of COVID restrictions as experts monitor new mutation. So this is clearly to some thinking people a uh, hack job just to keep people frightened. Now we're going to load this video and hear what they have to say after the ads run. Oh, it's one of those, those musical, it's one of those videos that shows you 
storm over the winter because they've got flu. We know flu vaccines to be rolled out in youngsters as well for the first time. That's all the way up to the 16-year-olds as well. Um, with other respiratory virus infections, with all of what that means, not only again for schools, but also for overwhelming the NHS. So I think if, if you add that into the mix, then the worry is that autumn winter is going to get very, very messy. are not enough. This is simply not enough. It leaves people to make their own decisions when we get all this information that's inconclusive and conflicting each other all the time. London, quote, UK medical professionals have issued an urgent plea to the British government to reimpose some COVID, some COVID restrictions due to the increased level of infections and hospitalizations in the country health leaders warned late Tuesday that the UK risks quote stumbling into a winter crisis end quote if the government does not enact its Plan B, a pledge it made last month in which it said it would reimpose COVID measures if data suggested the National Health Service was, quote, likely to come under 
unsustainable pressure. Close quote. Officials at the NHS Confederation, which represents organizations across the UK healthcare sector, issued a statement calling on the government, quote, to introduce measures such as mandatory face coverings in crowded and enclosed spaces without delay to keep people well and avoid the NHS from becoming overwhelmed this winter. Well, those those people that are upset about the masks have my sympathy. This uh, it's a personal story, but um, just in the last couple of weeks. Since the weather is getting colder and colder, we have been fighting off all manner of ants and flies and moths and all that that want to come inside to get away from the cold. And so we have to spray and do all that, do whatever, have the... um, professionals come in and spray and all the chemicals and the mess it's just really so irritating on the skin and the eyes and the sinuses on your respiratory system so you if you stop and think about parents Excuse me, parents with small school-age children or early childhood, zero to six years old. And any child at any age, a parent is naturally going to be upset if their child is not feeling well. Then you add to that, wearing a mask, your face gets red and bumpy from all, (laughs) from wearing the mask, it irritates your face. If you wear it tight, like you'd really need to, to to shield your, your, your lungs from all the viruses, you wear it tight around your ear, then the back of the ears get real sore. So the parents may not feel up to speed. They may feel 
skin irritations, other mild or severe irritations. Then they have children on their hands at a certain age. Say, let's say for example, under nine, this the children's skin is far more sensitive and delicate. So this is not taken into consideration when we say, oh, let's mask them. Let's give them a vaccine with who knows how many other vaccines all rolled into one. (laughs) You know, people just see the reaction from the parent and say, what's wrong with these parents? Why don't they grow up? But they don't stop and think of the societal effect of the mandates, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates. All of these affect the individual household. But, you know, some of us figured early on the minute that the parents or the people who are affected by all these mandates become the enemy, the bad guy, then we knew this is not what you would call good faith. This is something that we have to we have to watch closely. So, and that's not to minimize the seriousness of this pandemic and, and it's not to minimize the um, benefits from vaccines and all the protocols masking up and washing hands and all of that well I can tell you the skin can only take so much washing hands and even if you're, uh, say, like treating your walls in the last 24 hours, I was treating my walls and ceilings and all of that. The bathroom, everything in the bathroom, everything in, in all the hard surfaces, countertops, cabinets inside, all of that. Treating that, and even with say three or four pair of gloves on and then heavy duty gloves on top even that the skin is just burning in some places and uh, it's not (laughs) it's not fun I mean you get you get a certain amount of satisfaction of knowing okay everything looks clean okay everything smells nice <laughs> you know that lasts for so long when your skin burns and it's red and blistered and swollen and you want to run to the doctor but you guys know what really what really helps sensitive skin or my sensitive skin K2 
Castor oil. Oh my goodness. Castor oil works for so many different skin problems. Uh, Calamine. The, the pink Calamine lotion. Those two together. Oh my goodness. And then certain skin burns or certain skin conditions I'll use Eucerin E-U-C-E-R-I-N Eucerin it's a real heavy heavy white cream you can use on sensitive skin anytime without a prescription very costly but highly effective the results are are noticeable in a short time span so it reduces all the burning in the skin and the redness and all that maybe not for everybody but that's what I have to use so Maybe it might help someone else. That's how home improvement... Excuse me. That's how home improvement projects leaves people with sensitive skin. Red like a lobster. Bumpy skin. Irritated. Well, enough of the... The woes and the pity parties of sensitive skin. Let's continue this article. They warned that the National Health Service, quote, is seeing worrying increases in coronavirus cases in its hospitals and the community at a time when it is preparing for a busy winter period. Its staff are close to burnout and it is being expected to recover many of its services that were disrupted by the pandemic end quote the UK is currently recording between 40,000 and 50,000 new COVID cases a day and the number of hospitalizations and deaths is steadily rising, although at a much lower pace than earlier in the pandemic, thanks to COVID vaccines, which greatly reduce the risk of severe infection, hospitalization, and death. On Tuesday, the UK reported 
3,738 new COVID cases, a decrease from Monday when 49,156 new cases were recorded, which marked the highest daily number in three months. Okay, they give you a chart. Our world in data from March 1, 2020 through October 20, 2021. They list countries, UK, Wow, all these different countries, UK is way out in front on this chart. Daily new confirmed COVID-19 cases per million people shown is the rolling seven-day average the number of confirmed cases is lower than the number of actual cases the main reason for that is limited testing and you can check the number of cases for each country UK over 600 they said cases per million people over 600 cases per million And Europe, United States comes in around over 200 cases per million. Below that, is South America below, far below 200. In Asia and Africa are even lower. According to this, Africa and Asia, well, Africa is zero cases per 600 million. Oh, wait, wait, no. There's a little bump according to this graph. But it's as close to the bottom and see this is for from March of 2020 March 1st 2020 through October 20 of this year That's interesting, and this is uh, 
from John Hopkins University, CSSE, COVID-19 data. Here they have um, some audio. Maybe we can hear the audio. Oh, it's not audio. It's a, a moving graph. It shows the um, the country's moving f- positions from highest to lowest and back again. Some of them last year were way at the top. Oh, it actually gives the dates day by day from March 1st. It's going all the way day by day up until today. over a year this is excellent okay this is how they're able (coughs) this is how they're able at John Hopkins to chart their world statistics Cases per million <clears throat> all over the world. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's been cold, and it was <clears throat> it was so freezing cold. It yesterday late in the evening I was. <clears throat> I was trying to clean outside the door, all around the door, and the outside of the door, and it was just so cold. You know, sometimes you think, oh, maybe I just don't don't uh, have enough uh, warm food inside of my body, but it was cold. It felt uh, maybe in the forties, and I didn't, I didn't really put on enough warm jackets and all that. I wanted to hurry up and clean, and then lock my door. Oh, oh, I'm running out of time. Okay, I got maybe four minutes, and less than four minutes. Let's read on until it runs out of time. To date, the UK has recorded over 8.5 million COVID cases. And on Tuesday, 22.3 new deaths within 28 days of a positive test were reported bringing the total number of fatalities to 138,852, putting it among 
a grim ranking of countries with the highest death toll in the world. Oh, that's that's sad for the UK to have to have that going on right before the holiday season. Situation will only get worse. COVID restrictions in England were lifted on July 19th when pubs, restaurants, and nightclubs reopened. Mask wearing also became largely a matter of personal choice apart from on public transport. Transport. The government under Prime Minister Boris Johnson has previously insisted that COVID restrictions and potential lockdowns would only return as a last resort and that the country must, quote, learn to live with the virus, end quote. On Wednesday, the UK's Business Secretary Kwasi Kwarteng reiterated that position, saying, quote, I absolutely think that it would be completely wrong for us to go back into a lockdown, he told Times Radio, noting that hospitalizations and death rates were much lower than in previous peaks of the pandemic. He added that, quote, we are learning, I think, to live with the virus, close quote. The NHS Confederation on Tuesday said the additional measures that the UK could now enact included, quote, clear communications to the public that the level of risk has increased, introducing certificates for people's COVID vaccine status and legally mandating people to wear face coverings in certain settings, in addition to considering asking people to work from home if they can, close quote. Many of these measures, particularly around mask wearing and COVID certification, are, quote, are already common in parts of Europe where the prevalence of the disease is lower, in quote, the NHS Confederation noted. And there is more, but we're out of time. We're out of time. Yeah, there's a lot, lot more. But we need to keep up. That was CNBC report for Wednesday, Wellness Wednesday today, October 20th, 2021. Stay well, take care of yourself. Stay warm. 
We're going to continue with the story, the news out of um, the UK about the increase of coronavirus hospitalizations and deaths and illness. It's too important not to read the rest of it because it mostly talks about the mutation that's what we need to know continuing speaking on Wednesday morning Matthew Taylor chief executive of the confederation warned that the NHS oh the page is jumping warned that the NHS, a much-loved institution in the UK and even more so during the pandemic, was, quote, right on the edge, close quote, with the number of COVID patients seen to be rising in hospitals quote I talk to health leaders every day and I have literally not spoken to any leader who doesn't say that their service is under intense pressure now this is the middle of October. Things are only going to get worse, end quote, he told BBC Radio. Quote, the health service is right at the edge. If you push much further, we will not be able to to provide the level of service that people need to have, end quote. New mutation. Making matters worse, potentially, is a new mutation of the Delta variant that British experts are watching closely. 
last Friday, the UK's health, Sec- health Security Agency issued a report in which it said, quote, a Delta sublineage newly designated as AY.4.1 is noted to be expanding in England. And close quote, and that it was monitoring the subtype. The highly infectious Delta variant is the dominant version of the coronavirus worldwide, having usurped the previous quote, alpha close quote, variant of the virus that was first discovered in the UK. This new descendant of the Delta COVID variant AY.4.2 has been identified in an increasing number of UK COVID cases with some suggesting it might be another possible factor in rising case numbers although it is too early to tell for sure. I think they mean has been identified. They said has been. Let's read it again. This new descendant of the Delta COVID variant AY.4.2 has been identified in an increasing number of UK COVID cases with some suggesting it might be another possible factor in rising case numbers although it is too early to tell for sure quote this sublineage Spell it S U B L I N E A G E. I'm sure you understand my English if you live in California, but people around the world speak different kinds of English and may not understand all of what I'm saying. This sub lineage is currently increasing in frequency. It includes spike mutations A 
222V, like Victor, and Y, 145H, like Henry, in the week beginning September 27th, 2021, the last week with complete sequencing data. This sub lineage accounted for approximately 6% of all sequences generated on an increasing trajectory. This estimate may be imprecise. Further assessment is underway. Close quote. The UK Health Security Agency noted. The Prime Minister's official spokesman told Sky News on Tuesday that, quote, AY.4.2 is something we're keeping a very close eye on, close quote, and that there's currently no evidence to suggest that this variant is more easily spread. Quote, there's no evidence for that, but as you would expect, we're monitoring it closely and won't hesitate to take action if necessary. Close quote, he said. Sorry, my my voice is uh, just been tested with all the cleaning materials and then all the cold weather. And it's my bad. I went outside cleaning last night. The other concern was the background of all of this. Is this possible? You know, the possibility of a perfect storm over the winter because we've got flu. We know we want flu vaccines to be rolled out in youngsters as well, and for the first time, that's all the way up to the 16-year-olds as well. Um, with other respiratory virus infections, with all of what that means, not only again for schools, but also for overwhelming the NHS. So I think if you add that into the mix. Then the worry is that autumn winter is going is to get very, very messy.
problem at the moment for that is that you have a slow rollout of this process in the time when you also have a high case rate in that age range. Mm. And that's causing problems with getting the vaccines to children who want to have the vaccines. I have a little bit of like a pang in my gut because we're watching kind of a sub-lineage of the Delta strain, something very specific that is growing in percentage. Right, exactly. That is growing in percentage in the UK. And Shep, I think that that could explain there's a potential that it's more transmissible than Delta, which makes it easier to be even more infectious than Delta. continue the health service is right at the edge oh we read that we were all the way toward the end of new mutation quote the sublineage is currently increasing in frequency it includes spike mutations A222 V and Y145H in the week beginning 27 September 2021, the last week with complete sequencing data. This sub lineage accounted for approximately 6% of all sequences generated on an increasing trajectory. This estimate may be imprecise. Further assessment is underway. In quote, the UK Health Security agency noted the Prime Minister's official spokesman told Sky News on Tuesday that quote A Y dot four dot two is something we've we're keeping a very close eye on in quote and that There is currently no evidence to suggest that this variant is more easily spread. End quote. Oh, no, no. Period. Quote, there is no evidence for that. But as you would expect, we're monitoring it closely and won't hesitate to take action if necessary, close quote, he said. Former U.S. and Drug Administration Commissioner Scott Gottlieb also tweeted about the subtype at the weekend. 
quote, UK reported its biggest one-day COVID case increase in three months, just as the new Delta variant AY.4 with the S.Y or S colon Y145H mutation in the spike reaches 8% of UK sequenced cases, Gottlieb said. We need urgent research to figure out if this state, if this Delta Plus is more transmissible, has partial immune evasion, close quote. Let's listen to this next video by a medical expert after all the commercials are over. Professor of Immunology at Imperial College London. at SV Health Investors and the UK's former Vaccine Task Force Chief on the sidelines of the Global Investment Summit here in the UK where she told me the only way to prevent the creation of new variants is to get everyone jabbed. Boosters will be important to retain um, protection for the elderly and the vulnerable. And there's un unequivocal data that a third boost is helpful for that protection. Um, so far, all the variants that are emerging so far are um, captured with all the current vaccines. So at the moment, we are seeing that the current vaccines are able to reduce uh, death and hospitalization and serious disease, which is incredibly uh, happy and, and we're lucky that that's still the case. Having said that, for as long as the virus is circulating unimpeded around the rest of the world, a solution for the UK will not be a durable solution. We have to get everybody vaccinated if we are to actually contain this um, virus. Well, Kate Bingham also stressed that countries like the UK need to get more creative with how they invest in COVID-19 treatments. At the moment, the vaccine are not really fit for purpose. They have cold chains, they're difficult to scale, they require, in most cases, two injections being delivered by a healthcare professional. So the first thing we need to have is a fundamental reformatting of vaccines, whether it's pills, patches, sprays, implants, whatever they are, which can be delivered by non-healthcare professionals, which can be scaled without that cold chain so that you can actually get to the whole world. It's no good, again, vaccinating the, the Western world without actually addressing all those people who are at risk. So I think vaccine format is, is an area of near-term investment opportunity. Um, manufacturing, obviously, we don't have enough uh, or haven't had enough manufacturing supply. And there's lots of new technologies like blow-fill seals. So instead of using glass for vials for, for containing the vaccine itself, are there higher um, throughput, lower cost um, approaches, more eco approaches to actually um, vial the, the vaccines? Um, therapeutics, I mean, again, we have been quite slow 
to get targeted therapeutics. So I think investment opportunities into drug platforms that will allow very quick um, tailoring of therapeutics against new viruses is an area I would look hard at, whether that's um, antibodies or more, more likely small molecules. Antibodies are always going to be limited in terms of how many people can be dosed. Um, and then more fundamentally, I still think immune therapies and modulating the immune response is fundamentally going to be the way medicine is moving. Okay, that was not the professor of immunology, but I'll continue reading. Professor of immunology at Imperial College London, Danny Altman, told CNBC Monday that the subtype, quote, needs to be monitored and so far as possible, carefully controlled. Close quote. Quote, because Delta has now been the dominant mutant in several regions for some six months and not been displaced by any other variants. The hope has been that Delta perhaps represented the peak mutation performance achievable by the virus AY.4 may be starting to raise doubts about this assertion in quote he warned why is the UK in this mess experts say there are a variety of reasons for the UK's steep COVID numbers ranging from the half-hearted mask adoption even when masks are required such as on public transport. The rule is rarely enforced. Two large indoor gatherings that have allowed the virus to spread. The UK's hesitation in vaccinating younger teenagers, something that other countries in Europe and the U.S. did much earlier, and the return to schools in September have also been cited as reasons for the sharp rise in cases. Again, I apologize, my voice is rather uh, scratchy, and it's time for home improvements, so 
that means cleaning with uh, not heavy chemicals, but scrubbing and cleaning inside and outside. And the cold weather has been a challenge here for some weeks now. The UK's hesitancy in vaccinating younger teenagers, something that other countries in Europe and the U.S. did much earlier, and the return to schools in September have also been cited as reasons for the sharp rise in cases. Although the boom in infectious infections among 0 to 18 year olds is now ebbing as infections rise in their parents generation data shows ironically the UK's early vaccination rollout which began in December 2020 and was one of the first in the world is also seen as contributing to its high cases to its high case rate now because we know due to an increasing body of data that immunity is that immunity in vaccinated people wanes w-a-n-e-s wanes after about six months to date 78.9% of the UK population over the age of 12 is fully vaccinated, official data shows. And they have included links and we can go and get more information about the the story that they're reporting here. Well, that's heartbreaking that the UK has worked so hard. And now it's time to roll up the sleeves and just fight back against whatever comes, whatever variant comes. Let's listen to another video. Details. Once you started tweeting about it this weekend, Meg, I got worried. What do we know? 
Yeah, I did too, Sarah. Hearing about a potentially concerning new variant at this point in the game is just really horrible news. But right now the jury is still out about how dangerous this uh, potential uh, new variant is. So essentially yesterday, Dr. Gottlieb warning on Twitter about the rise of this variant that's known as AY.4.2. It's a substrain of the Delta variant. And right now he says it's about 8% of sequence cases in the UK. And its steady rise has coincided with uh, an uptick in cases in the UK. You can see over the past few weeks, cases there um, have been rising. And essentially, he notes that uh, this has been prevalent there, uh, or at least present there since July, but steadily sort of slowly gaining in prevalence. Uh, now, I've been talking with virologists about whether this is concerning. Right now, they say it's not clear. One analysis suggests that based on those epidemiological data, it could be potentially 10% more transmissible than Delta, but more work is needed to really figure out whether that's the case. And virologists say based on the known mutations, it's not clear that it would be. Gottlieb, though, concluding in this tweet thread yesterday that really this is not a cause for immediate concern now, he says, but it's a reminder that we need robust systems to identify and characterize new variants and that this needs to be a coordinated global priority for COVID, same as similar international efforts have become standard practice in flu. Uh, so guys, it's one to keep an eye on and it is one that people are paying attention to and think it could be at least a variant of interest, but right now it's it's a bit early to say how concerning it's is. Guys, it's so hard to believe that you could even have something more more transmissible than than Delta, more contagious. That is, have any of these variants been more dangerous though, as far as life threatening, serious illness, or are they all sort of the same in that regard? That's a really good question. I haven't heard about that to um, a huge extent because Delta is just so dominant. What it competes against, it, it outperforms, it beats. And so it, it sort of takes over. The thing that you would really be concerned about, yes, would be something that's more severe. But if it gets beat by a more contagious variant that's less severe, it's less concerning. But if we get a strain that can evade the protection from the vaccines or prior immunity, uh, that would start to be pretty concerning. And you are starting to hear the companies talking about, do we need to update the variant? or the vaccines to target the Delta variant because of this very concern. These are reports from the different media outlets. Up next, J&J lab data is encouraging need human trial data. Ex-CDC director. Let's listen in. Alrighty, they have commercials that make you want to go and snack and cook. <laughs> uh, and then you have to suffer while I chew on chips. CDC director from 2009 to 2017. Dr. Frieden, uh, good afternoon to you. Good, good to see you as always. Uh, how optimistic are you after this, <coughs> excuse me, after this J&J uh, data and uh, when could this vaccine start to be uh, to be used? Well, first off, the laboratory data is encouraging, but laboratory data is one thing, human data is another. And until we have actually the results of the clinical trial, which we may get as early as next week, we won't know. There were media reports just yesterday that J&J uh, &J has had some unexpected manufacturing difficulties, and that could delay rollout of the vaccine. 
We also aren't sure that a single dose will work, but the data from yesterday was encouraging because it showed that the immune response was strong and even got stronger for up to two months after the initial vaccination. If, if single dose does work, uh, and given that this doesn't have to be uh, transported at, at, at such cold temperatures, it, could it be game-changing in terms of the pace of getting America vaccinated? I think, unfortunately, there's, there's nothing that's going to be game-changing. No one thing is going to turn this around. We're going to still have to wear masks. We're going to still have to distance. And vaccination is going to be a many-month uh, process in the United States. In fact, um, what we may see, what I hope we'll see in a best-case scenario, is success vaccinating nursing home residents and staff and people over the age of 65, such that by late February, sometime in March, you'd begin to see pretty substantial reductions in the death rate, even if cases continue to spread. The big wild card here, though, is a variant like the B117 variant from the United Kingdom, which took a bad situation and made it much, much worse. We need to double down on protection protocols because vaccination is not going to magically make this go away. No, but but it is supposed to help. and and. There have been, it's been such a bumpy start, Dr. Frieden, when it comes to vaccinating. I, I can't speak for all states, but certainly New York and a number of other states are having trouble. It's, why is it so hard to figure out whether someone's eligible to be vaccinated and where they can do it? Well, to be frank, we have a national program that uh, hasn't done this well. They handled it like a grocery delivery program. What's the temperature? What's the restocking cadence? Instead of like a vaccination program where you do a detailed plan and figure out every spot that's going to be vaccinating, how many they can do per day, who's going to go where, how do you communicate with the public? It was only a couple of weeks ago that Congress first approved substantial resources for states to begin the planning process. That money hasn't hit the system yet. So we're looking at weeks to potentially a month or two of continued rocky rollout. But we do see some areas of hope. We do see the numbers picking up. We see the vaccine relatively uh, well accepted by large numbers of people, uh, no significant safety signals, large numbers over a million people vaccinated in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. So we are seeing some progress, but clearly there's a lot of cleanup to do in how this vaccination campaign is being rolled out. Well, I, I get the blame on, on the federal government, but Dr. Frieden, isn't some of it just the fact that we, we in this country do not have the sort of national universal health system that we see in so many other countries like the UK, like in Israel, and, and it's just not cut out for it. We have this for-profit privatization, which is not a judgment, good or bad, but when it comes to something like this, it's not that helpful. The way I think of it is you've got a, a problem that's relatively easier to solve and a problem that's relatively harder to solve. The relatively easier one is very poor management of the pandemic response by the federal government. You need an organized, science-based response that communicates consistently and accurately with the public. I think we'll have that in the coming weeks. Um, the harder part is exactly what you say. We do not have a strong primary health care system in this country, and really we suffer for it. We suffer avoidable heart attacks, strokes, kidney failure. We suffer uh, avoidable infections and hospitalizations, and we suffer the failure to vaccinate effectively through primary care. But really, this is a great opportunity. Never let a crisis go to waste. We have the chance to change the way healthcare is delivered in this country and make it more patient-focused so that everyone can have a family doctor, family doctors can be adequately 
adequately compensated and they can help get us through this pandemic and more resilient for the next. It's exactly as you say, in countries where there's a systematic way of linking people to their primary care provider or family doctor, they get an appointment, they go in, they get vaccinated. It's not that big a deal. Here we have to do so many workarounds with large mass vaccination programs, hospitals, other places getting vaccinated, uh, community vaccination sites, Walmart, CVS and other pharmacies doing vaccination programs. Uh, we'll get there, but it's going to be a lot harder because we don't have that kind of strong public health or primary health care system. a lot to wrap your mind around so <laughs> okay what stood out in my mind was Dr. Fried, Frieden F-R-E-I-D-E-N Tom Frieden or Friedan was a former CDC director and he's If I heard it correctly, he said that clinical lab trials and human trials are not the same thing. They're two different things. So, uh, my mind latched on to that. (laughs) My mind latched on to that. Because, you know, we're, to, we're being told, oh, um, how safe and effective the vaccines are that they've been through this expedited clinic, excuse me, expedited clinical lab trial. Um, and which normally would take um, 10, 14 years. It was done basically in less than a year. And um, not to slam all the hard work that the professionals, medical professionals, have done for decades on this vaccine in both clinical trials and human trials using it for Ebola and this and that and they believe that they were very fortunate this time to be able to tweak as they say tweak the virus and adapted to, uh, I'm sorry, to tweak the vaccine and adapted to the COVID SARS-2 virus, the COVID-19 virus. So, but my mind is still saying, well, what about the human trials? Is that where we are now experimenting on humans and is that why so many people are saying they don't want to be a human guinea pig well 
everybody has to make their own decision based on the information that they have what's best for them but we um, we saw Colin Powell General former general and former secretary of state Colin Powell pass this yeah this is Wednesday the 20th of October I think he passed Monday or Tuesday this week from the complications from the from the SARS to COVID-19 virus even though he was reportedly battling a uh, blood cancer condition of blood cancer but that was not what killed him okay well I think we have uh, gone into information overload we have almost an hour and 40 some minutes of information so take care Stay warm, stay informed, make the decision that's right for you and your family, and in this case, stay woke. (laughs) Thank you for listening.
how's everybody doing today?